Hey gente, estamos de vuelta aquí en un nuevo podcast de La Dosis Radio y hoy tenemos uno de los íconos más increíbles, brutales del metal mundial. Tenemos al one and only David Vincent from Marvid Angel. Season two is beginning. We're starting our season two podcast. David, thank you so much. I am Morbid, Morbid Angel, the legend, Mount Rushmore death metal, no question about it. David, thank you so much for being with us today. We sincerely appreciate it, brother. Uh, my pleasure, man. I'm happy to speak to you guys and uh, look forward to seeing you here pretty soon as well. Hell yeah. yeah. We have uh, Nelson. ¿Cuándo es el 4 de noviembre? Sí, es lo más importante para toda la gente que está viendo el podcast este 4 de noviembre en Pepper's Club. Vamos a tener I Am Morbid, con un show increíble con el 30 aniversario. Y lo trae Blackline. Awesome, awesome. David, thank you so much for doing this interview with us. We know that you're super busy. We really appreciate it. And so we're going to get started with some questions. Nelson, go ahead and kick it off. Ok, vamos primero. Eh, acabamos de ver que acaba de terminar un festival en Alcatraz, el Metal Doctrine Morbin Fest en Europa. Eh, seguido de otro en Australia. ¿Cómo te fue en ese concierto? So we saw that you just completed a set of festivals in Europe. You did the Alcatraz Fest, Metal Doctrine, Morbid Fest, and then you did a couple shows in Australia. Then you did a festival in Illinois. How did all the touring go? Really well. You know, it's uh, I'm actually humbled by the fact that, you know, some of the stuff that we did so many years ago uh, is still relevant. In fact, um, this year, this is the 30th anniversary of Covenant. So... It's like, you know, that's a lot of time. And um, a lot. the band sounds great. Um, you know, people are real happy. They're real enthusiastic. Uh, the shows have just been, uh, you know, going great. I couldn't ask for, for anything to be any better than it is. So, Muy bien. But, qué but bueno, looking, qué bueno. looking forward to bringing this same, uh, you know, uh, circus down to South America again. Nice. Buenísimo, buenísimo. Ok, por ahí vimos que cuando tenías como seis años escuchaste por primera vez a Black Sabbath y ahí realmente te enamoraste de esta música. ¿Cómo fue ese primer acercamiento de niño a la hora de escuchar el metal? ¿Qué te inspiró a, a, a ser músico? So we heard that when you were around six years old, you heard Black Sabbath for the first time and fell in love. <laughs> I did. Do you remember, what was like the first, do you remember, all right, so we have a few questions here. Was Do you remember the Black Sabbath, was there a Black Sabbath track where you were like, wow, or was it just, do you remember what album it was? Um, yeah. Was that the first thing that you remember listening to? What inspired you with music? Well, I mean, I listened to adult music when I was a kid um, because the kiddie music, you know, my grandmother bought me one of these little kiddie record players with some you know, cartoony kind of songs and, you know, stuff that I probably, you know, God bless her. I mean, she probably thought it was age appropriate. Um, that's not what I was interested in. But yes, I do remember the first, uh, the one of my friends who lived uh, lived behind us, his brother was like probably five years older than him and he had this great record collection. And I borrowed Black Sabbath Paranoid. And when I put on the song Electric Funeral, uh, that just floored me. That was That changed my life. That song, that that riff. Yo creo que a todos, la verdad, porque a todos quedamos enamorados de la primera vez que escuchamos a Black Sabbath. Yeah, like all of us, like the first time we ever heard Black Sabbath, especially like it was like, wow, what is this? Oh my god, this is amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. Okay. Special. 
Sí. Ahora, eh, ¿recuerdas ese primer momento entre niño o joven que tocaste y agarraste tu primer instrumento que tú dices, ok, vamos a ver qué se siente tocar el bajo o fue una guitarra o fue batería? ¿Qué fue ese primer momento cuando tuviste un acercamiento a un instrumento? What was the first time that you remember picking up an instrument to make music? Well, um, I was taking piano lessons when I was six years old. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Prior to that, um, you know, I had family members, uh, a cousin who who played, had acoustic guitar. And anytime I was around, you know, he'd show me things and I was eager to learn. Um, so... You know, it, 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 it's all good stuff, man. I mean, it's just, I, I just feel like music is an indelible part of my life. Um, it's, it's a passion. Uh, it's a calling. And it's something that moves me every, like there's music is always on my mind. I'm terrible with names. You know, I forget, you know, I meet people and I, and it takes me meeting them about 10 times, uh, you know, to, to put their, put their face, uh, their, their face to a name. Right. But, I can tell you and probably sing note for note for you jingles from commercials when I was a little kid, because if it has to do with music, it, it somehow it, it, it attaches itself to my brain. I, I don't know. It's a blessing or a curse. I have no idea, but uh, I, I live with it. Qué bueno. Mae, es que tan difícil tocar piano, mae. Eso es de los instrumentos más rudos. Yeah, that's beautiful that you learn piano first, because wow. it's like one of the most difficult to learn. So like right from the beginning, like, whoa. Sí. Well, I mean, I don't play it. Uh, you know, what that did was train my ear mm -hmm. because I I wasn't really that concerned about theory. I felt like it got in the way of, you know, just a, a, a an organic relationship with my instrument. You know, other people would disagree and that, that, that's fine. I, I, I just have a really good ear for music. So when I hear something, then I can either reproduce it or I can add to it. Or, you know, it, it, it's just the way that my way, the way that my brain works when it comes to music. Um, I listen to stuff and I, I just I either accompany it or I play along with it or I match it or. And this is a this is a regular this is a daily thing. I don't even think about it. It just happens. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, okay. esta es una pregunta muy interesante, gente, porque. En sus inicios en el colegio, él estuvo en la orquesta de un colegio. Entonces, fue como de las primeras cosas que estuvo haciendo. Pero lo extraño es como uno dice, como David inició en el death metal tocando en un grupo desde el colegio. Pero la pregunta que realmente la gente debería hacerle a David es, ¿cómo creó él el death metal? So this leads on to what you were just saying uh, that we read about you, about you always being guided by feel instead of theory. Um, we saw that you played upright bass in an orchestral band in school. And yep. so with that and the piano that we, we just learned, we're sure a lot of people ask you, you probably get asked almost daily, uh, if not more, how you got into death metal, right? Question that should be asked to you is how did you create death metal? because it's the bands that were doing this right you actually did this like from so if you could please share with us your how your inspirational creative process works well i like heavy music all right it starts there um i like energy in the music um you know as i've 
as I've matured, I mean, uh, my listening tastes have gotten more broad. But at the time, you know, so I was listening to, you know, hardcore punk and heavy metal. And I loved the energy of the punk. Um, and I liked the, the musicianship of the metal. And I was always trying to meet people to make music with that could see what I saw. Um, and that was very difficult because the metal guys, they listen to punk and they thought, oh, this is just a bunch of crap. Yeah. And, and the punk guys, you know, they had the energy, but they couldn't play. So it's this, you know, tormenting thing that goes back and forth. And, uh, you know, I mean, I remember those days pretty well. And it's just finding a people because it's new. I mean, there, there, there wasn't really bands to look to for inspiration. I mean, it was just kind of, you know, it was a very underground thing. This is back in the day. There was no computers. There, there was no CDs. I mean, all of this was the result of, uh, you know, making uh, demo tapes, cassettes and sending them around and, and uh, corresponding with the various fanzines uh, around the globe and trying to build something when, again, there was no Internet, there was no social media, there was no, it was snail mail. You know, you put something in the post with some stamps on it and hope it got somewhere that somebody liked it enough to, you know, review it uh, in a local fanzine that maybe had, you know, two, three, 400 copies that they put out locally. And it was just years of doing that. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to, to get your message out today, but you also have a lot more people that are trying to get messages out. So you get, you know, one way is harder. It's the long way and the slow way The the new way is, um, there's a lot of traffic. If you know what I mean? A lot more congestion. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Sí, sí, muy bien, muy bien. Ok, entre todas las cosas que estuvimos leyendo, vimos que Priso es productor de Morbid Angel por ahí de 1986. ¿Cómo se dio ese contacto? So, it, um, from what we understood, you were you had done some production for Morbid Angel and then joined the band in 1986. How did that happen where you ended up joining the band? Well, boy, that's a long story. Um, Um... <laughs> uh, I'll try to find a Reader's Digest version of it. So essentially, after uh, after recording Abom Abominations of Desolation, um, there was some drama with, uh, within the band. Some of it was that they weren't particularly happy with the way that some of the tracks came out. Uh, secondly, there was some personal rifts uh, between some of the band members. And... Um, So prior to the record's release, uh, Trey called me and said, hey, just so you know, I don't want you to, you know, don't get worried about it, but I'm parting ways with, uh, with some of the members of the band. I thought about it. I said, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, you know that I play, uh, and I'm a, I'm a fan of your, uh, of your guitar work. And it just so happened that uh, I had a drummer that I had worked with for many years who was on board as well. So we kind of joined forces and that's the rest of history. Very cool. Qué bueno, qué bueno. Sí, excelente. Eh, um, a ver, es que esto es importante. 
¿Qué se siente ser parte de uno de los discos más icónicos de la historia del metal, el de Morbid Angel Covenant en 1993? Es que es increíble. Well, you know, probably at the time, I mean, we were so focused on what we were doing and just making music and touring and, you know, kind of living the life. I don't know that I, I took pause at that time to really think about where we'd be at this point 30 years later. Because 93 to 2023, that's 30 years. Um, and I don't know if at that time I really considered longevity or any of these other things and, and quite frankly i'm I, again i'm just really humbled by the fact that you know i was able to take part in something that has you know people come up to me all the time and they'd say you know you you really helped me through some tough times i was mm -hmm. listening to it was very inspirational now i own you know four restaurants or now i'm a lawyer or now you know it's something that people you know come up to me and they tell me that that somehow um Uh, my music helped them through difficult times in their life. And I, I don't know that there's a better, no amount of money can give me the gift of being able to move people in such a way where it has improved their lives. My, sí. uh, Esa es de las respuestas más, más bonitas que he escuchado, la verdad. Boy. Excelente. Ok, en el 2013, que fue el 20 aniversario del Covenant, eh, vimos que tocaste el disco completo. Ahora que es el 30 aniversario, ¿vas a agregar alguna canción extra? ¿Viene algo diferente o va a ser completo igual? En uh, 2013, you guys did a 20-year anniversary tour for Covenant, right? Where it looks like you played the album in its entirety, including tracks you guys have never played before live. Now that it's 30 years of the album's release, For this year's shows, have you been incorporating more tracks from Covenant into the set list this year? Or is it just like, well, we respect it, but like not like here's seven, eight tracks from the album? No, actually, we are including. Um, so with with I Am Morbid, I'm concentrating on songs that I wrote. So there's one track from that record that we don't play live, which is uh, uh, called Angel of Disease. Uh, okay. I didn't. So I'm trying to focus on that that I wrote. But there are tracks in there that we don't, you know, it becomes difficult selecting a set list um, when you have as much material to choose from and you have, you know, say we're at a festival and we have 45 minutes or 50 minutes uh, to play, which is that way pretty, you know, with all the bands. I mean, you have an abbreviated set as to what you would be doing perhaps at a headline, you know, theater show or what have you. Um, so, yeah, we, we have been concentrating on putting as much Covenant material into the set as well as other tracks that, you know, I mean, it's like ask Ozzy not to play Paranoid and right. uh, it Sorry. won't happen. I mean, <laughs> it's seven after midnight. there's songs that you have to play. Um, quite frankly, I'm not tired of any of them. Um, I, I enjoy performing all of these things. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're an integral part of my life. Yeah, very good. Cool. Bueno, ahora vamos, a, ahora vamos a ver una parte que no mucha gente conoce, pero queremos saber qué sentiste 
eh, siendo parte del grupo de tu ex esposa en 1996 que se llamó Jenny Tortures. Okay, so what was it like in 1996 to be in Jenny Tortures with your ex-wife when you were the basis for that band? What was that experience like? Well, much different. Um, you know, it wasn't my band. Um, I, I felt like, you know, when I left Morbid Angel in 96, um, you know, I, I, I took several months off and didn't do anything. I, I, I went up the mountains and just kind of sort of reexamined, you know, where I was in life and where I wanted to go. And I needed to sort of correct my attitude on, on a few things. And, uh, she, uh, Jen, was in a situation where she had, you know, had a tour coming up and she was constantly complaining about various musicians in the band. And I got tired of hearing it. So she just said, Oh, you know, this guy, whatever. I said, well, fire him. She goes, well, what am I going to do? You know, I got this tour come up, said, I'll play it because I didn't really think, I didn't really think that she was going to actually, you know, part ways with him. I thought it was just, you know, you know, you know, people get upset about things and they say things, but they don't really mean them as uh as as sincerely as as what they express well i uh i did say i did say that i would i would play for you it just get rid of the guy only because i was trying to shut the conversation down because i was tired of hearing um her complain about this guy and so, well sure enough she got rid of him she goes okay you got a week to learn the set and i'm like son of a gun i guess i I, uh, I, I took a bite and, and now I got to swallow it. So I did. And it was fun. I mean, it was much different, you know, it, it, going from being the center of attention as the front man for Morbid Angel to playing bass for a band that, you know, much different kind of music, um, you know, a crazy stage show, which at times even distracted me. I, you know, I never knew what, what she was planning. I was just, I was there for the music. Um, But it was it was definitely a departure. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <risa> qué bueno, qué bueno. Okay, una de las preguntas que que nos encanta hacer es en una persona con tantísima trayectoria, con tantísimos conciertos a nivel mundial junto con Morbid Angel o Ian Morbid. Cuando te preguntan cuál ha sido ese show que no puedes olvidar en tu mente y en tu corazón, qué concierto se te viene. All right, you've performed thousands of shows alongside a ton of artists in your career right when you think about your entire touring career the whole thing what is the one show that immediately comes to mind like the for better for worse whatever that scenario is the never forget that pops up that you're like oh well um i'll give you two how about that okay. the worst was um we were playing dynamo metal fest And we had all of our American equipment with us. And they said, oh, yeah, we, you don't need your power transformers. We have them on stage already. Okay, no problem. So we went and plugged everything in when it was time to go on. Of course, there's no sound checks. I mean, you go up, you get a line check, and then you play. Well, it blew. Something was wrong with the voltage, and it blew up every bit of our equipment. Yeah. So to say that we had a horrible show is an understatement. Um, so that's the one that comes to mind as far as being something bad. Did they reimburse so, you for everything or no? Well, I mean, we ended up figuring it out. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was, but all we saw is we had nothing on stage. 
none of uh, nothing else um so we we got through it um it was just a minimal repair it just popped popped some caps and and some um in in the in power sections of stuff it it wasn't that expensive but you know it was the panic mode getting ready you know standing there with your pants down in front of fifty thousand people and they're waiting Mm -hmm. and um you know uh, we ended we played the show i just it wasn't very good um so anyhow that's uh that's the worst and the best is we did a tour where we were opening for black sabbath and motorhead and the whole tour was great that's the next question pero qué bueno sí de hecho esa es la siguiente pregunta qué o sea no, no, that's the um, that's the next question yeah sí. well, what were some of the highlights when you toured with Black Sabbath and Motorhead, and Motorhead. in 1994 wow well so again I'm not only a musician but I'm also a music fan and both of those bands were always very important to me obviously Black Sabbath being being far far and above uh, on top and i had a really difficult time controlling myself to where i didn't come across as a fanboy every day uh as, towards tony iomi um i had to you know really really i had to work to hold back although i did get up every day and go in and watch their sound check uh, because it was important to me i wanted as much i mean you know that's probably the only time I've ever done that in my life is is go and watch the sound check and the show every single night because uh, I couldn't get enough. I mean, I just I I, I love uh, Tony and Geezer are a wonderful team. They've written some of the most iconic songs that that that, that, that I can remember. And to be with them every night, it was just the biggest honor that I've yeah. ever had. Sí, definitivamente. Qué bonita experiencia. Eh, entre tantas cosas que has hecho en tu camino, ¿habrá alguna vez eh, algún nuevo álbum de Terrorizer? Are there any plans to do a new Terrorizer album? There might be. Ah, eso es bueno. Ya tenemos noticias por ahí. Oh, awesome. <laughs> ok, entre tantas colaboraciones también que has hecho, hemos visto que has incluido a Soulfly and Nuclear Chaos. Eh, ¿Hay algún artista en el cual te gustaría trabajar que aún no lo hayas hecho? So you've done a few collaborations, including with Soulfly and Nuclear Chaos. Are there any artists or is there any particular artist that you have always wanted to do a track with regardless of genre? Um, you know, I get asked to do stuff a lot. Um, more often than not, my answer is no. Unless I, you know, I have to listen to it. And I have to see if it's something that number one, you know, what what is what does the artist want? What are they looking mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. And when I listen to the track, and I think, okay, what can I do that is within my personality, but will also bring something new to the table and be, you know, somewhat challenging and and exciting for me as well. Um, so there's there's more to that list than Soulfly and Nuclear Chaos, um, but. Um, You know, I enjoy just, I like music. I like making music. I like being pulled out of my comfort zone and perhaps doing something that I would not have thought of to do on my own. And sometimes that's inspired, you know, I, when you work with other people, I mean, I have 
my own ideas as well. But when you're working with someone else and it's a project that is not of your making and you're trying to find a way to, oh, you know, like how can I best contribute to this to where it's special? Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoy that. And there, there's, there will be more coming up. Um, there, like I said, there is a, a longer list than, um, than just self-fly nuclear gas. Um, but, uh, I, I do look forward to doing these things once again, so long as it's something that, um, that I can feel some, some type of an artistry over. And it's not just, Oh, sing a couple songs on our record. And then just to where they put a sticker with my name on it, on Exacto. their record, on the record, I, I, I don't have any interest in that at all. Okay. Okay. Si, te, toda Is there razón, one artist in particular that you would be like, wow, it'd be awesome to work with this one past, present, future, anybody? That comes to mind. Um, I mean, I'd rather not say. I mean, I oh. do have a yeah, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to jinx it if it happens. Fair it enough. Happens, uh, <laughs> fair, enough fair enough. Okay, okay. Entre ahora que que nos damos cuenta que también eres un super fan de la música, aparte de ser músico, todos que somos amantes de la música y consumimos muchas canciones, a veces decimos, wow, esta canción me hubiera encantado haberla escrito yo, haberla inventado. ¿Hay alguna canción que vos dices, esta canción yo la tuve que haber hecho? Ok, so as music fans, which we're, we all are, um, is there a particular track that you think of in music? Doesn't matter what Anything. the genre of. Anything. Any genre, doesn't matter. Is there like a particular song That you say when you listen to it, like, oh man, I wish I would have written that track. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot of them. Uh, goodness. You know, it, this answer would change five minutes from now and it would change <laughs> probably every day. But um, I don't want to play favorites, but the answer is yes, there are tracks that I hear that I think, wow. It's really good. But, you know, again, I hear something, especially if it's something different than what I do. Um, I'll find inspiration in that. Um, it, it, my influences are very different, probably, than what one might expect um, you know, when it comes to, to vocals. And I don't sound like any of my influences, but it, I could explain to someone we could listen to some tracks and i'm like okay this part right here i was influenced about this because of the phrasing mm -hmm. this part right here i was influenced uh, by uh you know the delivery and the um the confidence um of, of what was said so it, yes i'm a fan yes there's a lot of a lot of uh, works of art out there that i've listened to that i thought wow that's That's really up my alley. Um, I wish I would have been a part of it. But if, if it's that strong, then I'll find a way to maybe get inspired by it and incorporate it, not, not verbatim and certainly not in, in a plagiaristic way. But I hear things and, you know, I mean, I have ears and I have a voice. So what comes in my ears won't, won't be the exact same thing that goes out of my mouth. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a first and foremost, I started as a music fan and I'm a musician and I'm still a music fan and I'm still a musician. So. Muy bien, muy bien. Excellent. 
Ok, en el 2021 vimos que hiciste las vocales en un track que se llama Year of the Snake con Nergal from Behemoth in his project Me and uh, the Man. También vimos que hiciste un trabajo de country single que se llama Drinking with the Devil. ¿Tienes algún plan de hacer más trabajo country y cosas diferentes? So in 2021, you did vocals on the track Year of the Snake with Nurgle from Behemoth for his side project, Me and That Man. And then you also did your own country single, Drinking with the Devil. Amazing. Do you have any, great. Do you have any plans on releasing more solo country stuff? Well, I have a lot of material. I probably have enough for a double album at this point. Oh, wow. I, I just don't. It's finding the time. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting around looking for something to do. I've been very, very busy. Uh, including, um, we just finished the new Ultimus record. So that's coming out uh, first of the year. Ah, and, que bien, que bien. and that's uh, that's a big priority of mine as well. So it's, again, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping busy. But first and foremost, I'm a metal guy. And these other things that I do, it's, it's kind of, you know, half hobby, half, well, I can and, and I want to. Um, but it's it's not really the the it's not my main focus but i i am pleased with the way that all that stuff has come out um it's just adding to it and uh being being more broad uh as an artist i think muy bien y eso es una y es una respuesta muy interesante para todos los que somos amantes de metal porque no todo el 100% tiene que ser metal o sea hay cosas que a veces uno quiere hacer baladas country lo que fuera y la vida no se trata de estar marcados en estereotipos, sino hacer lo que a nosotros nos hace feliz, que es lo que está diciendo David. Yeah, Nelson saying that that's such a great point that you brought up because just because you're, you know, badass, awesome metal singer, metal, 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 doesn't mean that you have to stay under that stereotype. Music is beautiful. You can do whatever you want. It's about being happy, being like fulfilled and inspired by whatever genre it is. So we both think that it's awesome that you're, you know, delving into different genres and not staying into like, well, no, that's not cool because it's not metal or whatever it is. Like, yo, do it. You know, it's awesome. Sí, sí. Bueno, para seguir rápido, para ver si terminamos esto, eh, entre tantas cosas que has hecho, también vimos el proyecto de la Hellcat que fue formado y fundado con, con Lemmy de Motorhead. ¿Hay algo más que se va a hacer de este proyecto? You're answering our questions in that you don't yeah. have a lot of extra time to do things, but any any sort of chance of uh, restarting the Rockabilly project that, that was well, fronted by, by, formerly fronted by Lemmy? Yeah, so um, basically that started with um, uh, Wacken Festival in Germany uh, was doing a year where they were doing a special tribute to Lemmy oh, and, and good. Um, and, uh, the other two guys in Headcat, Danny and Slim Jim asked me if I would be willing or interested in, uh, performing with that. And I said, huh, well, I mean, you know, I don't sound anything like Lemmy. And they said, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, this is like, you know, it's just sort of really loud fifties rock and roll. Um, and so. I'd never done anything like that before. I said, oh, let's give it a try. And it was fun. And we recorded some songs. Um, and we have since recorded a few more songs. Um, I don't, again, this is, I'm so busy and I need to sort of, it's important that I focus on the things that I ought mm -hmm. to be focused on. 
Um, but you know, it, that's a lot of fun to play that kind of music. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, so I, I won't say, I won't say no. Um, because like I said, we do have, uh, some other tracks that we have recorded that we haven't done anything with yet. Um, that are, that are nasty. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the future has, you know? Okay. 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 Eh, también vimos este qué te impulsó a hacer la autobiografía I Am Morbid, Ten Lessons from Extreme Metal, Outlaw Country and the Power of Self-Determination en febrero del 2020. ¿Qué te impulsó a hacerlo? What prompted you to release your autobiography I Am Morbid, Ten Lessons from Extreme Metal, Outlaw Country and the Power of Self-Determination in February of 2020? Well, um... I'm I'm friends with this fellow who he was pretty much in charge of uh, he worked with Kerrang, he worked with Metal Hammer. Um, he's you know, he's a proper journalist, um, English fellow. Mm. And he had done um, a few other books with, you know, uh, autobiographies and what and worked with with different artists over the years. And we struck up a conversation one time and he said, have you ever thought about, he goes, you know, I, I look back on your interviews that you've done and you're always talking about, oh yeah, you know, you got this new record out and maybe something about the lyrics or whatever, but you never really talk about yourself. And I said, well, I'm kind of a private guy. I mean, I don't, you know, wh what I think, what I, what I do is, you know, I mean, I do what I do. And he said, well, because I, I think that'd be a really interesting story if you, you know, just talk about your life and, and what have you. Um, so I thought about it. And um, we got started uh, working on it. Um, and it's interesting. We, we had, there was one in particular publisher who was really interested in the book and he read the manuscript. And they said, well, we want more dirt. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, more controversy, more more uh, things about the band or, or, or whatever, M meaning they wanted it to get, you know, dramatic and, and, and say bad things about other people. I said, well, this is my book and I'm not going to do that. That's mm -hmm. not, that's not where I'm at. So they passed. They said, well, this is just not gritty enough or whatever. And I said, listen, if it's my book and my story and it's about me, I'm going to tell my story the way that I'm going to tell my story. And don't you're yeah. not going to be how to tell my story. All right. So we ended up, you know, I went, ended up with a, with a smaller publisher, but I'm, I'm happier with the result than I would have had I been somehow convinced uh, to include the stuff that I wasn't interested in including. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's gone over well. Um, it sold quite a few copies. Um, and uh, the people who have read it said that they really enjoyed it. And, you know, I tell people, if, if you want to know who I am, if you read that book, you'll, encontrar. you'll know me very well. Ok, ok. Eso es importante, porque lo importante siempre en la vida es la transparencia, es la verdad. Eso es más importante que el dinero. Transparency is more important than anything else in this world, so that's awesome. Well, to me it is. I mean, that's, that's who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, no one will ever, uh, you know, when I say something, I mean it, unless I'm joking. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a pretty transparent guy. I'm pretty honest. Um, and, you know, I, I hold uh, I, I hold honor um, 
and uh, and honesty at the forefront of everything I do. Muy bien, muy bien. Ya casi de las últimas preguntas. Yo creo que son de las cosas que más nos puede gustar a alguien que vivimos de la música es poder hacer la voz en una caricatura. Y tú hiciste una voz en el 2017 en el eh, carácter de Albert de Van Helsing Animated Horror Film Realm of the Dead. ¿Cómo fue que sucedió esto? Y si viene todavía algo en camino también para hacer alguna voz de un carácter. A lot of metal singers love to be able to do animated characters, and you got to do the character Alberic Van Helsing in 2017 for the animated horror film wow. Realm of the Dead. How did that come about? Have you done any other film voice over work since then? Well, again, I mean, I wish I had more time. I wish I could clone myself. <laughs> See. Uh, and and one could stay home and be a good husband and the other could go and do all this other nonsense, right? Um, that was an interesting thing. Um, the producer uh, contacted me and asked me if I would be interested in doing this. Um, so it wasn't just a voice. Of, you know, I, I wanted to do it right. So I, I flew to England and we went in a, in a proper studio and did it. And oh, wow. I, I wanted to get... Um, you know, reaction from the director about what he was looking for to make sure that it was, it was in line. Um, and they, they were, they were quite happy with, uh, with the results. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was an interesting experience for me. I've never done anything like that before. Um, but I've done a few cameos in a few films here and there. Uh, some of them, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything until, uh, it, it's being said by the director. But uh, I do enjoy this. I, I enjoy all forms of expression. I like, I like, uh, you know, writing writing songs. I like performing songs. I like being on stage. I like being in the studio. Uh, I enjoy film. I, I just enjoy. That's that's just who I am. I'm, I'm, my life is gar is guided by creativity. Muy bien. So, muy bien. Ok, otra de las cosas interesantes que, que descubrimos de David es que es un amante de los animales, igual que nosotros, y tiene una granja gigante llena de un montón de animales. Cuéntanos un poquito de qué es esa vida de granja, por así decirlo, llena de animales. So we're huge, gigantic fans of animals. Uh, we do a lot of promotional uh, work in Costa Rica for um, stray dogs and uh, um, adoption of pets. Uh, we saw that you had a 1,500-acre free-range farm with a ton of animals. You want to share about that? Because that's a big thing for us down here. Well, you know, a lot of this is just, I'm not interested in living in cities anymore. So Oof. this was, uh, this is deliberate. And yeah, we have, uh, we have, um, we have cattle, we have horses, we have donkeys, and then yeah. obviously all the wild critters that are, are running around Texas, um, coyotes everywhere, uh, rabbits, armadillos, uh, possums, uh, raccoons, all wow. manner and, and everything. Yeah. It's just, I mean, we live, all of my neighbors have four legs. So, <laughs> uh, qué bueno, qué bueno. Yo creo que ese es el momento donde uno encuentra la paz, verdad? Es, un, es la felicidad realmente. Yeah. It's a peaceful place to be. Uh, so that's what, you know, that's, it seems to the, it's way more peaceful to be in a farm than it is to be in the city. <laughs> well, okay, I, let's go. Uh -huh. I, I figure, I mean, when I'm, when I'm on tour, it's always in cities. So 
I have my share of that as well. But when I get home, it's Balancing. nice and away from all of it. Exacto, exacto. Ok, ahora sí vamos con unas, las últimas preguntas y vamos por la parte un poco más personal. Eh, tú que has visitado tantos países en este planeta hermoso, ¿hay algún lugar donde tú has ido que tú dices, ahí tengo que regresar, me, me encantó, me gustó mucho, aparte de Costa Rica? Um, so you've traveled all over the planet. You've seen so many different countries and so many different cities. Is there, um, what, out of everywhere that you've gone, was there a place that you went to that you were just, oh my goodness, like just, wow, this is more amazing than I could have imagined? Well, um, there's a lot of places like that. And this is what I enjoy about, you know, the fact that I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to travel around and see things is because I can make up my own mind about stuff rather than just sort of, you know, listening to what the television may tell you about this place or that place or the other place. Um, I do remember the last time I was in Costa Rica, um, we did, I think, I don't know what you call it. Do you know what zip lining is? Of course. I can't do it. I'm too big, but yes, we're familiar. Okay. Well, I had probably the quintessential zipline experience last time I was in Costa Rica, and it was absolutely beautiful. Nice. I, I, I had, uh, I'm so glad that I did it. You know, it's so easy when you're on tour, you get tired, you just want to take a, you have a day off, mm -hmm. and all you can just catch up on sleep. Well, it, I have to do that sometimes, but other times I'm, I really enjoy getting out and, and, and seeing, you know, what the, the local populace lives with on a day-to-day -day basis or do some of the things, the activities of a, of a given area that you can't find elsewhere. Um, and the, the, this canopy zip lining that you, you all have down there in Costa Rica is it's the best in the world. I mean, arguably. I've, I've done a few other ones, and I was really sort of underwhelmed by it. And I was talking to people, I said, man, this is just really not. I said, well, did you have fun? I'm like, yeah, it was fun, but it wasn't, you know, I've done ones. And then they said, well, where did you do it? And I said, in Costa Rica, they're like, oh, well, you started with the best. Like any, anything, anything. Everything else is going to be, yeah. Anything else is going to pale in comparison. So, well, there you go. I mean, that, that, would, that came from the experts. So I guess my first experience was the best experience. Very ok, cool. ok, ya, ya vamos casi con la última pregunta. Y siempre nos gusta preguntarle a los invitados es... ¿Qué estás escuchando de música hoy? ¿Qué escuchaste hoy cuando te levantaste? Es que no importa el género, lo que hayas escuchado. ¿Qué has escuchado hoy de música? ¿Si has escuchado música o ayer en la noche? All right, so David, thank you so much. This is our last question that we ask all of our guests. What music are you listening to these days? Doesn't matter what type. What did you wake up to today or last night? What was the last thing that you listened to? Well, I'm actually in my studio right now and I'm uh, re- Uh, imagining um, because we have these terrorizer shows coming up. So I'm, I'm, I'm listening back to the old tracks and, and sort of reimagining them and mm -hmm. proving a few things, what have you. So that's really what's on my mind right now. Okay. Excelente. Cool. Es que todos Very listos escuchando cool. nuevo terrorizer. New terrorizer. Oh yeah. <laughs> ¿Alguna más visita que queramos hacer? Uh, no, that's it. Um, David, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. I Am Morbid will be performing in Costa Rica at Pepper Club on Saturday, November 4th. Nelson, you want to sí. finish it off for us? Uh, primero, David, 
de verdad, muchas gracias por tu calidez, gracias por tu humildad, gracias por tu linda persona. Qué lindo cuando uno toma el tiempo para entrevistar a una persona que admira tanto como, como tu persona y uno siente esa energía linda hacia uno también. Y, así es que muchísimas gracias. Gente, recuerden, 4 de noviembre, I am Morbid aquí en Costa Rica en Pepper's Club. Y vamos a tener esta maravillosa persona que es David Vincent. David, thank you so much again for joining us. We can't wait to see you when you perform down here. And thank you so much again. We know that you're super busy and we're very grateful for your time. My thank pleasure, you. guys. And I look forward to meeting both of you. And uh, we'll be there soon.